family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. All right, we got no time for formalities or procedures. That's Jesse Rubinoff dancing over there. I'm Tim. You and the people who come on the show are the friends. Please follow us, like, and subscribe and all that. Go get Sportsnet now. The bosses love when I say that. And it's free for many of you through your cable subscription. So it's a win-win. And that that word win. Well, it still kind of stings. Colts, Chargers fans... For my bet on the Chargers and Raiders tie game. We'll get more on that in a flash. Rich Gannon, Michael Grange, Katrina LeMay don't love my guests. But we need to get right to one of the craziest weekends I've seen since Mike Tyson broke his back. Spinal! (laughs) So Jesse, in record time, let's bring that heat, Peekaboo Street. Already! Wow, that's quick. I'm sweating with anticipation of this block. This is like a special day. You don't get, like Mondays are always whatever. Correct. But you don't always get that on a Monday morning. You get to wake up to this excitement. Especially so when Canadian hockey teams are basically not playing. Yeah. Like the Leafs normally blowing a lead like the Leafs blew on Saturday night would be hook, line, and sinker our lead. Not today, Botch. No. Not today. Last night was a gift from the sporting gods. <laughs> oh okay, here we God. go. We're going to start with the NFL, obviously, but Timmy... Um, <laughs> Where do we even begin? There was the Steelers OT win over the Ravens to keep their playoff hopes alive. You mentioned the Colts, who found a way to lose to the Jags and miss the playoffs, even though I said it was literally impossible. I was wrong. (laughs) And then it was a win and you're in for the Chargers and Raiders last night. But it was also a tie and we're both in. Social media was going absolutely ballistic from the kickoff. So maybe we should start with the Chargers and Raiders. Did the NFL save its best game of the season for last. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Now, I may be a little bit biased based on the bet that we had going, but you're right. On social media, I saw hockey and baseball dudes tweeting about the Raiders and Chargers. That's how crazy this was. Now, I had to look up what the hell Prisoner's Dilemma meant. I was reading up on the disgrace of Hehan or however the hell you say that, in World Cup qualifying 1982, if I'm not mistaken. But for those who don't know what in the good name of Der Manshaft I'm talking about, well, the once unthinkable happened. Jesse mentioned it. Colts lost to the Jags, and the Raiders and Chiefs and Chargers, excuse me, were given the prisoner's dilemma. Here's my research from Wikipedia, of course. The prisoner's dilemma. Why two completely rational individuals might not cooperate even if it's in their best interests to do so. The Colts' loss meant that the Raiders and Chargers could simply tie, and both would have made the playoffs, or one team wins and sends the other team home. Some called it the kneel bowl, meaning if both just took a knee, if they both cooperated, they both would have ended up with the desired conclusion, which was making the playoffs. So it was a crazy scenario, and it seemed like a moot point for most of the game. Yes. (laughs) And the Raiders had a 15-point lead with less than five minutes left in the game. But the Chargers converted more fourth and longs than my love life. 
and sent it to overtime on the final play of regulation. A 12-yard pass to Mike Williams. And, of course, after that, the team's trade field goals in the first two possessions of OT. So we're tied at 32 in overtime. And it looked like the Raiders with the ball on the Chargers' 39-yard line and the clock running under 45 seconds were content with running the ball and letting the clock run out. Now keep this in mind throughout. We here at Tim and Friends explained this exact situation last week and decided to bet five bucks each, along with our friends at SN Bets, five bucks on the Jags money line and the tie in the Raiders and Chargers game as a laugh. A laugh that was on the verge of paying us over $2,400 on the $5 bet. Right, Jesse? No yeah. exaggeration. Nope. Bets were made along with SN Bets and several viewers who decided to come along for the ride at 488 to 1. Weren't laughing in overtime, were we? That's when the Chargers took the most debated timeout since Caillou. Just before the timeout, many folks thought that the Raiders were willing to play for the tie. But after the timeout, Las Vegas ran the ball off left side between the tackles, got 10 yards on the play, setting up a 47-yard field goal. And Daniel Carlson eliminated the Chargers and got the Steelers into the playoffs, broke my heart along with a ton of others who were cheering for the tie with one swing of his right foot. So the immediate debate after the game, you just saw Brandon Staley walking up with that thing over his face, calling a timeout. Were the Raiders about to concede the tie game before Brandon Staley called the timeout? Here's the coach's explanations, starting with the Raiders. Was there any consideration to just running down the clock there and not even attempting a field goal? To yeah, it was, it was a conversation. We were talking about it. You know, I don't know if you know, we ran the ball there, and they didn't call a timeout. So I think they were probably thinking the same thing. You know, and then, then we had the big run to there. And when we got the big run and got us, we thought it was field, advantageous field goal position for us, we, we were going to take the field goal and try to win it. But we were certainly talking about it on the sideline. We wanted to see if they were going to call a timeout or not on that run. They didn't, so we thought they were thinking the same thing. And then we popped the run in there and gave us a chance to kick the field goal to win. We needed to get in the right grouping. We felt like they were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, um, make that substitution so that we could you know, get a play where we would deepen the field goal. I don't think it changed their mindset because they were going to run the ball on the play before, and then they ran the ball the very next play. So we wanted to make sure that we got our run defense in there. Um, and we, you know, we obviously didn't execute well enough. Was any part of the motivation for you saving time to potentially win it if they were to miss that field goal? My mindset was to make the field goal as long as possible. You're not a fan of that. I think, I think I'm going to need to get up and go through this. Yeah. And what Brandon Staley said. It I think, needs to be done. I think we need to get move things out of the what? way. What? Close things up. No. And go to the 98 here, all right? I need to loosen up the old shoulders. I need to get the old pointer, the old index finger out. I'm getting comfortable on my stool. All right. Let's start with the first play after the two-minute warning. Josh Jacobs, left side, loses a yard, clock runs. Tick, 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 tick. 
Tick, 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 tick. This is when the Raiders begin thinking, maybe we don't do anything stupid. There's no incentive to do anything stupid. Then, 120 left, so Jacobs left side again. This time, seven yards, sets up a third and four from the Chargers' 39-yard line. But, clock, tick, 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 tick. Raiders get up to the line of scrimmage, right? Under 40 seconds left. All right, we're going to stop it here, okay? Because this is the point where Brandon Staley calls for the timeout, okay? And this is where I need to point a few things out, okay? Chargers coach said he wanted to make sure that he got his run defense out there. Couple problems here, coach. Let's start with how out of sorts they look. Mm -hmm. Look at the pad given by the DB here. If they throw a quick hitch, you might be able, but why would the Raiders throw a quick hitch? They have nothing to gain. All they have is something that there was no incentive to do anything stupid. Mm -hmm. Okay? Correct. So this is, they seem a little bit out of sorts. This is a four, and shout out Emmanuel Acho, who pointed some of these things out to me. But what they're in is a four, two, five. You got two linebackers right here, Jesse. Okay? Linebacker number nine here, inside linebacker, Kenneth Murray. Okay, before the timeout, Coach Staley taking the timeout to get his run defense out there. So you think more linebackers, right? Mm -hmm. More big guys to stuff what has already been two runs. So why, after the timeout, is Kenneth Murray out? Let's roll through this, okay? Here's the run. Jacobs finds a hole. 10 yards. If you're looking at this right now, there's only one linebacker out there. Kazir White is the only one on the field with a safety number 24 Adderley. Guys, do we have the second freeze? If we could pull up the second freeze, it'll show you the grouping. And it is a dime package more than it looks like a run defense. Now keep in mind, Daniel Carlson Still a 57-yard field goal. If you stuff them for no gain, he's got a great leg. This is a dime defense. Mm. This is a safety. This is their one linebacker. Another DB, 25. That's the same grouping set. There are a lot of receivers on the board. Now watch Adderley, number 24, because he's the safety. He doesn't know where to go. Nasir Adderley is confused. Follow the tight end. Follow the motion across the formation. Here's your tight end. Here's your receiver in motion. Guess what? Last two runs have been to the left. Guess where these guys motion to? The, the left. left. Okay, now roll it again. Jacobs goes 10 yards against that dime defense, and that changes everything, Jesse. I don't think the Raiders were going to try a 57-yard field goal. I think they were content with the tie, but now... With the timeout, they had the time to think it through. And listen, you want to jump in here? I just want to go back to that freeze frame and ask you if you think it's possible that that is just Brandon Staley's best defensive option. Because when he took out Kenneth Murray, mm -hmm. who has been bad against the run this year by linebacker speak. So you think the safety is better against the run? I, I don't know that for a fact. But they did bring in, they had a five-man rush at that point, And the first freeze frame was four-man rush, right? So then they brought in Linval Joseph, who's a bigger nose tackle, don't. just to try and stuff the run because they hadn't had any success yet. But wouldn't yet. you run blitz that? Potentially. There was no run blitz there. 
You have the linebacker filling, and he didn't go to the right spot. Adderley didn't go to the right spot. He was confused out of a timeout. Yes. So that's a lack of execution. That is a complete and utter lack of execution. Right. But why would you put more DBs in against a run? Wouldn't you put more big uh, – Lindell Joseph, yes. That's your big package up front. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. about your linebackers? Mm-hmm. Why don't you throw your linebackers in there? Here's the other part of this. Now, Raiders kicker Daniel Carlson – He's 40 of 43 <laughs> on the year, okay? He's 18 of 20 from 14 plus. Hasn't missed a field goal since November the 7th, including 9 of 9 from 40 plus, 2 of 2 from 50 plus. But only 2 of 2 from 50 yeah. plus. Do you kick a 57-yard field goal? Like, he has never missed at home in this stadium. A perfect 38 of 38. 57 could be blocked, bad snap, asked Tony Romo, 2006 wildcard, down one, chip shot field goal, fumbles it, late great John Madden, tie it all into a big circle. Raiders coach said, there's nothing automatic in football. I think the Raiders run out the clock. But let me explain what the coaches will never, ever say. Mm -hmm. The Raiders, with the time to think, go, hold on a second. We win, it's the Bengals. We tie, it's the Chiefs. The Raiders lost two games to the Chiefs this season by a combined 89 to 23 this season. Two games, 41-14, 48-9. to They say kick the field goal, which makes me think that the Raiders were content with the tie, and they asked, they obviously looked at these numbers and said, you know what? Maybe we should kick the field goal. So okay, we're all watching that game as a country, as North America, as the world is enveloped in this game. Mm-hmm. Did it not feel like the game was over with about a minute 20 left? Like, just based on feeling alone. Yeah, no, I think... It the, felt like everyone was just okay with saying, that's it. That they did the honorable thing the entire way. Mm-hmm. They went toe-to-toe. They could have kneeled or did something stupid the entire game, but they did the honorable thing, and I think it's the right thing. Yeah. To play for the win, but when you got to that one minute 20 mark and there was no incentive for the Raiders to do anything, that's when I think the Raiders were very content with the tie. The Chargers were content with the tie, and it all changed with one T.O. So, okay, so we heard Derek Carr after the game say that at first it was kind of a contradictory statement, right? He said it, the timeout changed our strategy, but then immediately followed that up with, we're trying to we're trying to win the game no matter what. Okay, you want to play that for the yeah, people? Yeah, why, why don't we play that clip? Because I think it's important to provide context in that situation. So, so here's Derek, Derek Carr. Derek after the game. After the game. I'm with you on this. This thing could have ended in a tie. Chargers call a timeout. How did that shift the strategy? Yeah, it definitely did, obviously. Uh, but we, we, we knew no matter what, we didn't want a tie. We wanted to win the football game. Which one is it, Timmy? I, I think it's both. I think they were content with the tie until the timeout. Then it changes strategy. Run the ball. If you get it into field goal range, go ahead and kick that field goal and win it. I think it's both. I think it doesn't have to be contradictory. Do you think that they would? So say Jacobs gets stuffed. Now we know the Chargers' run D has been horrendous. They're third worst in the league this year. Their run defense has been really, really bad. And the whole game. The whole game, too. Right. Like over 100, I think it was 170 something yards uh, for the Raiders on the ground in the game. Yes. 57-yard field goal. Like, do the Raiders kick that field goal? Because I know no. Carlson. No. Carlson, you, you mentioned it. The over 50 hadn't been great. But no, no, he 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 
he had never missed a field goal in that, in that stadium. stadium. In that stadium. He had been very, very good. I just don't think you risk it from 57. Because to hit it 57, you have to drive it low. Mm-hmm. You can't hit the alley-oop, the high ball. you got to drive it. I'm, I'm lining up like I'm going to kick. <laughs> I feel like you wanted to play in the game last night. <laughs> that would hurt my hamstring and my groin. That's good form. Oh, careful, careful, careful. Yeah. So yeah, that's about that's about that's about a twenty. That's good from twenty six. Twenty six max. That's that was good from twenty six. I'm a lefty. He's a righty. Whatever. No, I think that fifty seven is a risk, and I don't think they wanted to. Here, here's, here's when I really thought that they were content with the tie. Austin Eckler (laughs) talking it out on the field with the Raiders' long snapper. Now, what the hell is the 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 connection here? They went to high school together, okay, in Colorado. <laughs> and Eckler says, really? Sieg, who's the long snapper, covers his mouth. What did he say to Eckler to get a response that is, really? Now, he either said, we were going to run out the clock. Or, it covers his mouth to say it. Or... They went to high school together. High school, not university. They are dudes. They went to high school together. Or he said, Bobby and Susie just broke up. <laughs> well, like, okay. Really? The running of the clock thing, is, I'm curious. I'm curious about it. Is there anything else you want me to point to? No, I, I, think, I, I think you did, an, ex- I think you did an excellent job breaking it down. I just am confused a little bit. Not, okay. not, not with you. Ask away. Not with you. But when you Ask line away. up in the shotgun, like, isn't Watch the onus... Isn't the onus on? Okay, I gotta play devil's advocate for Brandon Staley's sake. But isn't the onus then on the defense to put your best package out there? Because if they're in the shotgun, they're not kneeling. Like kneeling is not an option. No, they're never gonna kneel. They're not gonna kneel. So no, but running out, like just running a play, Mm -hmm. like running the football would have done the like everyone was talking about a kneel. They didn't have to kneel. They ran into the pile. They ran the first play into the pile. And if it's fourth down or if it's still first down, they could have run another play, and they would have had to think about it at a quick pace. Now, maybe they would have taken a timeout after the, the Raiders. Maybe they would have taken a timeout after and figured we should probably kick the field goal. I think once they got the 10 yards yeah. on the run, that was it. 47-yard, this guy's one of the best kickers on planet Earth. Send him out there. But it's not like it's a gimme. No, definitely not. Yeah, kudos to Daniel Carlson. But also, you got to pour one out for Justin Herbert in this game because he solidified himself. And they're not going to be in the playoffs, which sucks because he's one of the better players in the National Football League. Yeah. And what he did Same old on those fourth and tens and fourth and fifteens and uh, throwing it down the field, scoring touchdowns late. Like, this guy is the real deal. You're looking at a, probably a future MVP, and he's not going to be in the playoffs because, what, the run defense stinks. That's basically it. Well, I mean, they can improve that. He's still young, but it is it feels same old Chargers, right? Oh, like elite quarterback play, maybe Always. elite running back play. Always, and they just can't make the play when they need it the most. Doesn't matter. Anthony Lynn, Philip Rivers. We got to pour one out too for uh, the people that were riding with the bet. Oh my goodness, I felt like I felt like we we were on board with a like. Listen. I'm going to donate. I could have got cashed out at $138 on my $5 bet. Not worth it. And I thought, the story is worth $138, right? 
I'll donate the $138 to the first charity someone send into your computer at Tim and Friends. First charity, Love it. Love $138 was what I was going to get cashed out. I put it, I rolled it for the story. But we had some rider dies with us that had on that on a 47-yard field goal is the difference between us and $2,500. Who else was riding with us? Yeah, so Darren said, uh, join the club when we tweeted out the bet. $5 for us. Uh, Darren went with $10 to win $48.80. So, I mean, everyone who had any money, it was entertaining enough without having to gamble on it, but anybody that had money on this, I, like, the feelings, the roller coaster of emotions. So, Seb, did you get ridiculous. with that guy hat? Like, if the field goal is no good or they run out the clock, he wins 4800 bucks. Keep going. On a $10 bet. Danny, $20. Okay. So do the math. Twenty dollars ninety-one fifty oh, to win. Dear God. Was and Danny also says uh, was offering like six hundred before the game started. Didn't take it. Danny, a virtual hug to you. Didn't take sure. it. Uh, Jocelyn says pain is all I feel. Fifteen bucks to win just over four grand. Chris says uh, it was sent his in. It was twenty-two thirty-three to win ten grand. Timmy. <sighs> Ten grand, and then Chris, I, I feel for you. <laughs> That's a tough beat. I hope it was worth the ride. It was only twenty-two bucks that you actually wagered. Twenty-two, thirty-three. I'm one of those. Play within two. your means, always. People, remember this. I know you did five bucks with this bet, but are you one of those like Chris who puts like cents in like no, random I, sets? Yeah. You go straight units. So, sometimes you sometimes you do it to hit a, an even number in your account. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it goes closer and closer to zero. Uh, CJ says, uh, I cashed out. I was really regretting it up until uh, two minutes ago. This was at 12, 18. So hold on. Yeah. So CJ cashes out. He had 50 bucks to pay him $24,000. Now, $1,300. Honestly, I cash out too. I mean, hindsight, yes. No, no, no. Uh, Not hindsight. If I'm going in the game and my payout was $1,300 for the tie, I would have cashed it out. And then I would have pooped my pants the entire overtime. Like, what's the roller coaster of emotions if you cash out at $1,300 and it looks that close to a tie for $24,000? I, I honestly cannot imagine what was going through CJ's. It's enough to have $5 to win two grand, but to potentially win $24,000 thousand dollars like that's not you're not joking around anymore like that's not funny gambling like that is a ridiculous sum of money it's a ridiculous sum of money 24 well, grand he, he made the right call he made the right call but i mean if that would have gone wide right he would have been upset oh if, they, if that goes wide right or they run out the clock I, I put on my mask because i want to be i want to be uh i want to be safe here everyone else oh, who rode with me. us i thought you were coming to me <laughs> that's like two and that's two a bad eggs. beat that's one of the worst beats that's i've a, seen but honestly like the odds of that happening i think we're one in like 700 and something i want to be safe with my hug yeah no i don't want to give anybody people, anything the people appreciate that through the camera i appreciate it <laughs> sevy appreciates it yeah that was uh, that was honestly great job on the breakdown because that was a lot of fun for football fans everywhere and you know pour one out for everyone that had money on that by the way uh we can also just circle back and did you see the guy who bet all four of our picks against the spread? I did. I actually have it right here. Do you? I do. Yeah. That's McKenzie. awesome. McKenzie. So 
We finally did a, a 4-0 week for the first time in a few. And congratulations to Mackenzie, who rode with us and turned 50 into 500. I can't tell you the joy. Like, you can see my tweet at the bottom here saying I love this. I cannot tell you the joy that seeing this on my Twitter feed gave me. Like, it's about time. I speculated last week. We need to go 4-0. It's the final (laughs) week. And And does it make up for the last weeks where no one sent us the tweet that said? Yeah, the last 10 weeks where we've been, like, cold as ice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, that was an instant classic. Unbelievable. An unbelievable story, an unbelievable game. Jeff Passan tweeting out, nail you cowards. (laughs) So good. Uh, We didn't get to the Raptors, but Michael Grange is going to join us next to keep some basketball talk going because Raptors clay the John Morant block. Rich Gannon also later on with more on last night's madness in Vegas week 18 overall and maybe some of the Black Monday firings from around the league plus Canada's chef de mission chef de mission how do you say it does anyone care 2022 games Katrina LeMay Doan is your chef de mission Olympics less than four weeks away kids Tim and friends how the hell did that not end in a tie Who could have ever dreamed of the scenario? Chargers take a timeout. What? That's really interesting. Snap good, hold good, and Raiders in, Chargers out. What a game, what an ending, what a season, and off to postseason we go. Fred, the deep three. Again. Unbelievable. Dude, that's not the guy to lead. Even close to the logo. Step back three. Yes, he did. His name is Fred Van Vliet. Go ahead, put it on your ballot. Fred from the logo. He's an all-star. There's no question about it. He took Kyle Lowry's spot now. <laughs> Avery Bradley with the deflection against Bay. What an incredible block! This is one of the greatest run-down blocks that you're going to ever see. Look at him go up and just two hands. Oh, wow. That guy is unbelievable. Nothing but net for the Duke in the corner. That's the assist to LeBron, so that's the assist he needed. So he passes the big O on the all-time assist list. One of the greats of all time. He's back! Clay Thompson! And Clay down the lane! I think he's healthy. Dunked on the whole city of Cleveland. Mean mugging too. Oh, he's all the way back. I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. This night, it was worth every single moment. I'm so grateful to just just compete again. So good it wasn't lost in all that happened in the NFL (laughs) last night. The Raptors have now won six straight. Look at the numbers for Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. Like, don't sleep on Pascal right now. You wanted to know where they're at? Pascal's numbers maybe even all-star-ish? 24 points per game, 11 rebounds, and what's impressive to me, field goal percentages, three-point percentages, and assists per game at over six per. 
I know that I've talked enough about Fred VanVleet being an all-star, but what he's doing right now is historic. And I know that word is used a lot and maybe even overused, but over the last eight games, the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Freddie Van Vliet, is averaging 30.6 points per game. That's the fifth highest average over any eight-game span in Raptors franchise history. I got that from Sportsnet producer Chris Black. Now, further, he's hit 47 threes in those eight games. Only four men in NBA history have had more over an eight-game run. Add seven and a half assists per game, almost five boards, elite defense, and being a damn good leader, that's an all-star right there. I just hope enough folks are watching. One guy that I know is watching is Michael Grange. Michael Grange joins us now. Grange, welcome back to the show. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Uh, anytime. So the Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam run over the last little while, which is more impressive to you? <laughs> it's like you making me choose between my kids. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're both very impressive. I think, I think Freddie's just because you know it included that signature triple double, that incredible third quarter, and then you look at yeah. even last night's game where you know he hit the back-to-back threes to kind of rescue a game that looked like it might be going down the drain. Um, so you know, don't disrespect to Pascal at all because if Freddie wasn't playing like this, we'd be talking only about about Pascal. But uh, you know, it's just a tremendous run of basketball it's something i think we've been waiting for for a long time certainly all of this season uh to see you know to answer that question we've talked about before timmy yeah. uh, you know what would this team look like when they're healthy how what is the ceiling when you have your key guys available healthy and playing well and we're getting a taste of it now and um you know i think what pascal siakam is doing with his playmaking is really really interesting and it just looks like, um, you know, maybe the way Messiah, Jerry, and Bobby Webster had it in their mind's eye all along. So where is your ceiling now having seen this? And let's be fair, um, the last few games they've played teams that are missing their stars. But what you wanted to see from the Raptors core and more specifically Freddie Van Vliet, you saw and more from both Freddie Van Vliet and Siakam. Do you kind of reestablish your floor and ceiling for this team? Yeah, I think I think I lift them, raise both a little bit. I mean, there's still some some caveats you have to offer in there, but um, you know, I think when you add in OG Ananobi back healthy and playing well, and certainly Scotty Barnes has been a revelation, and Gary Trent Jr. I think has been a, been better than anyone would have thought. You know, you look at the top six, seven guys in this rotation, and you like them. You're like, wow, these are these are all basketball players, and and I think you know Fred just keeps expanding your or at least my many people's um idea of what his real ceiling is i mean now he's starting to put up dame lillard type numbers you know like who would ever thought that Uh, i'm not saying he's dame lillard but i mean this guy's a baller right and so you know you 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 max that with with pascal siakam we've talked so much about what he's his struggles and 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 you know where his true niche lies well i think he's finding it right is he doesn't have to be a guy who puts up 22 shots a game to make you win or make him play his best. I think this playmaking, is you can just really see his IQ kind of reaching a new level, his comfort overall on the floor. And, you know, what's happened lately is is he's been shooting the ball a lot better from three. I don't think he's going to be a 52% three-point shooter <laughs> for his entire career. But what but. was holding him back, even when he was playing back well last year, was 
he would trundle along at 28, 29%. And that kind of becomes a bit of a problem. So, um, you know, really, you've got two guys who are truly playing at all-star levels. I think OG Ananobi is still got a lot more, you know, ceiling in him. And, and at the very least is, you know, that elite superstar role player that great teams have. Scotty Barnes, uh, I mean, you know, we've, I think everyone's pretty high on him. And, and so when you kind of look at it that way, you're like, wow, this team's got the core of something that's really good. Like these are the hard pieces to get. And, and I think, you know, what's going to be interesting in the next little while is how can this group be augmented and, and shore up some of the weaknesses? Okay, so you bring that up, and I, uh, as any good basketball fan in Canada should do, read Michael Grange uh, last night after the game, and there was a, an interesting little piece on Jonas Valanciunas and his return to Toronto and how the one piece that the Raptors might not have is a legitimate big man when other teams want to go uh, big against them. Is is there a shot that the Raptors talk to the Pelicans about bringing Jonas back? I don't think it's crazy. I mean, uh, I don't think Jonas Valanciunas, I think he'd be, I don't think he's dreaming of finishing his career or the prime of his career uh, moving from one rebuilding team to another. Um, you know, I think bigger picture, if it's not Jonas, uh, there are some good big men that are available, like unusually good, good, and I guess they're unusually available when you look at Miles Turner and Dementis Sabonis in Indy, and you got Nurkic in Portland, and you want to throw Jonas's, Jonas, Jonas's name in there, and don't forget Jakob Pertl, depends what direction the Spurs want to go. So that's a lot of quality, and you know I think the Raptors are committed to playing a little unconventionally and having a smaller group and being switchable and all those kinds of things. They're, that's all great, right? And it, and it works. But, it, you know, it's always good to have a good seven-footer. It, it does um, give you options against different lineups. It does mean that, you know, you, you can get buckets in different ways and you can protect the rim in ways this team can. You can uh, rebound defensively better than this team does. So I'm not saying it is Giannis. It has to be Giannis. I'm just saying that, you know, it'll be interesting, you know, to my eye, this team – you know, I think they need to do something at backup point guard. You know, Fred VanVleet, as great as he's been, <laughs> yeah. you know, if this guy sprains an ankle, like, what happens, yeah. right? Like, I mean, we all know the on-off numbers. They're bananas. Um, you know, not wishing that on Fred at all. And I think, you know, I think when you look at the big man rotation, I think you can improve on Ken Birch and Precious Chichua. Not, I mean, there's, there's, they've both been good. They Certainly, Precious has lots of upside, but... It's not like, uh, you know, you're talking second coming of Kareem there. So I think um, those are areas I think, you know, when you talk about those four or five, six guys that we were speaking about off the top, um, if you could kind of, you know, add a little on the edges there, I, you know, this team could be, could, could be a lot better. Yeah. And let's keep in mind, Tim, this yeah. is a team that's playing in front of empty buildings. Uh, you know, there's money not being made here. And, you know, I just, you know, you'd think that if they could guarantee themselves a playoff round, maybe two playoff rounds, I'm sure people who have to pay bills might appreciate that down at MLSC. Yeah, they would most definitely appreciate that. Uh, I, I firmly believe that you need, if you're going to make a deep run in the playoffs, you need the Marcus Ole, Serge Ibaka, every team. You need the versatile big man and you need the big, big man just in case you get a matchup against either or. Um, Mike. When we only have two minutes left, I have to make you choose between children. So I'm going to give you another one of those ones where you have to make the tough choice. 
What's more jaw-dropping? 6-8-260 LeBron James passing Oscar Robertson on the all-times assist list or Ja Morant's block? <laughs> I'm going to go with Jaws block because uh, Oscar Robertson was the uh, was LeBron of his day, right? Yeah. Like he was the oversized point guard, wing forward, whatever you want to call him. So, and we knew this was coming from LeBron, and there's going to be more coming. But you know, I said this on Twitter last night. This is the best block I've ever seen. I've been watching basketball for 40 years. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's the best block. I know there's others out there. There's contenders, Shannon Brown. There's a bunch. But yeah. you know, if you just look here, the way he cocks his body at the end, right, to keep the ball from so he can kind of go up court with it, keep the ball in play. Yeah. It's just bananas. And if, if he uh, caught that, that is, thing, great. Like it is. I'm with you. I, I think it's the best block I've ever seen. And just the looks that we got at it, like he almost caught it at the top of the square. <laughs> uh, no, it's crazy, and it's it's pure eye candy. I mean, you know, and this is one of the reasons why basketball is is is, is such a great sport. Like, it, you know, it doesn't you you. It doesn't matter if you've never seen basketball in your life. You watch that and you're blown away. It is a mind-bending <laughs> yeah. athletic feat. So, no disrespect to LeBron. We'll talk about him when he, uh, you know, he's got yeah, a lot of breaks another coming, 12 records. Guy. Yeah, I'm but, with uh, you. But this, this, this is that was just a, you know, it was uh, our I good was friend, uh, our good friend Jay Skeets. He threw it out on Twitter. He's like, his jaw was. He said, "My jaw is still on floor," and I'm like, "Mine's still on floor 24 hours later." Awesome play. Yeah, jaw J A. Anyways, that's a bad joke. Uh, just like Michael Grange <laughs> at Mount Allison. Um, all right, no. la- last one. No. <laughs> under, under, no. <laughs> under a minute to go here. Uh, does Clay Thompson and how he looked in his return immediately make the Warriors the favorites in your mind? Yeah, I had him in the finals before the season started. I'm not sure why, but I did. And Clay's going to fit in well there it. because he does. And, you know, I think the cool thing about Clay coming back and, and, and obviously, you know, it's going to change the trajectory if it can. I mean, the Warriors are going to be only better. Well, the coolest thing is everybody loves Clay Thompson. Yeah. He might be the only athlete anywhere in any sport that everyone can agree on, uh, just that he's the chillest, coolest, funnest dude, great baller, great player. And to see him come back after everything he's been through, I mean, it was a real meeting of the minds and hearts last night on, on, across uh, sports, I would say, not just the NBA. So, but yeah, he's he's that Warriors team is. Re- you look at the roster now, how deep they are. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, combined with their championship pedigree, they're going to be a tough, tough out. They might be in line for a big two, but we'll save that conversation. Agreed with that for another day. Michael Grange, always great talking basketball with you. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks, Timmy. Be well. There is uh, my friend and yours, Michael Grange. Time for a break. There have been some big breaks for Canadian NHL teams as of late, as the schedule changes continue. Has it lost a little bit of momentum? Has the NHL kind of gone off of your radar? We'll discuss that and how much that hurts the company we work for. (laughs) Next, right here on Tim and Fred. Don't laugh too loud, Jesse. Don't laugh too loud. We're going to get to your feedback coming up in mere moments from now. We're also getting to Katrina Lomaydon, chef de mission for Beijing 2022, which is... Like four weeks away, and I'm not even wearing a watch. It's kind of ironic. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, We'll also get to Rich Gannon, a little Monday afternoon quarterback. But we teased some conversation about the NHL because you and I had a conversation earlier today But what the heck's going on here? Yeah, uh, thanks to COVID-19, there was just one Canadian team in action in the NHL on Saturday and Sunday. The Leafs 
blowing a pair of three goal leads, yeah. as only the Leafs can do before losing to the Avalanche 5-4 in overtime. We'll get to the game in a moment, but Tim, uh, there have been over 100 games postponed for various COVID reasons. Is the NHL losing some momentum right now, Tim? They are without a doubt, but here's the deal. This is Canada, and when those games come back, the momentum, I think, will be ratcheted up once more. Like It feels like a lot of my friends have just stopped watching sports the, just the hockey fans like obviously last night in the NFL was crazy mm-hmm. last night in the NBA was crazy and the NHL's off if you're a Canadian hockey fan like you can't help but think like it the the season has basically stopped but they were going to stop the season anyway and go to the Olympics now I would have felt like a hockey fan would have been kind of fed with the Olympics yeah yeah but I feel like once it gets going again in full force, everyone will jump back in the bandwagon, but you can't help but feel like the momentum has been stunted. No. Yeah, I think you're right, but I think these leagues, the NHL, and even the NBA to some extent, are at a disadvantage compared to the NFL because it's appointment viewing the NFL. You know when it's happening. It's every Sunday. Right. And a couple primetime games here and there. Oh, that's but a big everybody part of it. knew they it's were like tuning Saturday in. Night in hockey, yeah, right? You yeah. knew what was on the line for Chargers and Raiders last night. Just ended up being an amazing game, but everybody know knew when to find it and at what time. And when you have that many teams in the National Hockey League and the games are all over the place, look, it's no nobody's fault. This is the reality of the situation, but it is harder to keep track of. Without a doubt. And the numbers last night, I think we'll bear it out. I haven't seen them yet. Yeah from what they did in Canada and the United States, but you have to think that a record number of people watched Week 18 in totally. the National Football League. Yeah. It, I, mean, I know Al Michaels at some point in overtime, or maybe as overtime is getting going, he said, to all those who are now joining us, I'm sorry, you missed the whale of a game yeah. or something to, the, to that extent. Um, so we addressed the football mm-hmm. in the first block. And you know I'm a huge fan of, of you going up to the 98 as we call it, and the touch. It's a 98-inch screen. I'm not sure you're meant. Yeah, I'm not sure it's meant to be touched the way you were touching. I got a little <laughs> nervous there for a second that you were going to break it. And well, break I it did out notice that even though we don't really have the telestrator, when I touch the 98 with a little bit of force, you can yes. kind of see the circle. Right. It's like the fox glow puck. You were like dragging <laughs> it a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I loved it, but who cares what I think? What did the people think about that little segment? Because maybe it's something we do more of moving forward if people did enjoy it. So just Gigi. Uh, wrote in that totally felt like group therapy Tim and I'm, I'm, I believe she was alluding to that segment uh, talking about the bets and the game itself George said I like the play-by-play breakdown analysis should do it more often and Sportsnet should give you touch screens for you to draw on and uh, yes that timeout by the Chargers <laughs> sealed their fate um, PDJ live look at Tim McAuliffe <laughs> on <Tim and laughs> right now, which is exactly uh, what it felt like in here. We yeah. only do this though, like you and I, and we can come on camera just for a split second here. But Jesse and I have talked about this. Like, it has to be at a certain level for us to go to ninety. Like we've gone there for Connor McDavid's two goals. Twice. Do we go there for Trevor Segris? Yes. I think and, we and went Davies there. Davies was the other one that we. And went. Alfonso Davies against uh, Panama absolutely destroying Panama and the Tim and friends of Panama who were so (laughs) upset. So those are, like, it has to be at a certain level, I feel, for us to go to the 98. So we need need to engage the public. Like, John Morant, on any other day, could have been a hashtag 98. I think we need to make that a thing. I I think I actually hashtag 98, I like that. That that needs a little bit of action on the big screen, give us a hashtag 98. Yeah, that's that's really good in the ear from producer Mark Shelton. He likes the the hashtag. Hashtag 98. 98. Yeah, but I think think you're bang on. I think there's moments where we have a meeting every morning. And 
you know, sometimes they don't talk before the meeting and then you get in and you determine what's on tap for the day. And with those moments and with the game last night, sometimes you just know you're going to the 98. Yeah. Sometimes you just know it. We felt it. Well, I, I, I knew it, it as soon as I gave away $2,500 that yeah. I was going to 98. Uh, speaking of um, $2,500, Hingle McCringleberry wrote in. Of course, in and Hingle said, McCringleberry. Uh, not going to rub it in too much to McAuliffe, but I fared out good last night. So why don't we have a look at this? This is like relatively new, I think, the same game parlays to yeah. me, which is what this is. So five bucks to win 115 Here's what it was. It was 22 to 1 odds. Uh, match point spread, Chargers plus 4.5 check. Yeah. Uh, over 38 and a half points in the match. Wow. Yeah, crushed. Yeah. Uh, Josh Jacobs over 83 and a half, which actually rushing and receiving, it, not sketchy, but he's had some off games so far yeah, this no, season. That was, he hasn't been a, great. that was a bit of a, a, bit of a stretch. stretch. Yeah. Uh, over four and a half touchdowns in the match for both teams combined, and the match to go to overtime. Yes. That's a good return. Yeah. So, like, I, I think watching the game, like, for that to go to overtime, like, I, I'm sitting there thinking, like, this isn't. This isn't really going to happen. Like, it's a nice idea that we all as sports fans, like, aspire and hope and wish that this yeah, game like goes all to overtime. All of Twitter was talking about it. Al Michaels had to talk about it. Mike Tirico had to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Drew Brees was – They, they all, really at, wanted at, it to go, Tony too. Dungy was yeah. like, oh, it's not going to overtime. There's no Neil Fat. And then when they got to that point, and this is what I said on the show, this is what worked out. I said this. I wish I could find it from last week. But I said – they're not going to play for a tie. But if they're close to a tie in overtime, of course you think about doing it. And that's what happened. Yes, most people thought or imagined that it would just be like kneel down, kneel down, kneel down, or whatever. No, 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 no. Yeah. Play to win the game. And, and to, be, to be honest, I like the honor that both teams I play agree. with. I like, agree, completely. They need a little bit of a... Would have been fine with a kneel. In the last minute, yeah, I would have been fine. <laughs> and I put it on. I I put the poll on on Twitter. Yeah. Would have you? Would you be fine now with a minute left? And it was like seventy eight percent said yes. yes. Yeah. All right, time for a break though. The first ever Week eighteen in the NFL delivered with more drama than they could have imagined. Chargers, Raiders, an all time classic, and we have uh, some axes falling. Minnesota, Chicago, Miami will unpack it all with our MVP, Rich Gannon. As Tim and Friends rolls on on this Monday. Shuffling the papers, sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two, Tim and Friends, full hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360, which includes a conversation with Rich Gannon in mere moments from now and Katrina LeMay Doan coming up shortly. Following us at 7 Eastern on Sportsnet, it is the Bruins and the Capitals, and it's the Rangers and Kings. You can see them on Sportsnet and Sportsnet won both of those games. All right, let's get back to those Canadian teams, starting with the Sens and the Oilers. Now, they were originally scheduled to meet tonight, but after the Oilers added two more players to their COVID list today, game postponed, rescheduled for this Saturday night. Now, the Senators have played only once since December 18th and are back in action Thursday against Calgary. By the way, those were added to the COVID list yesterday. Let me correct myself. In Winnipeg, the Jets added Nick Ehlers to the COVID list. He'll miss at least one game Thursday against the Wings. Potentially could be able to return to the lineup. 
depending on negative tests. Uh, NFL, NHLPA, excuse me, filed a grievance on behalf of Evander Kane, whose contract was terminated by the Sharks on Sunday. Now, San Jose is alleging Kane, who tested positive for COVID-19 on December 21st, took a flight to Vancouver on the 29th, and that he didn't have clearance or medical approval to do that. Right. Kane, who is now a free agent, signed a seven-year, $49 million deal with San Jose. Elliot Friedman over the weekend talking about teams potentially being interested in Evander Kane. Uh, some reports that the Oilers' name has come up. Oh, no. Jesse, yes or no? Yeah, they're going to look into it. Yeah, I guess they are looking into it. Yeah, do it. Why not? What have you got to lose? Other than a lot by bringing Evander <laughs> Kane in. But what? they've been losing what? a bunch of games already. Who cares? Wow. That was not the take that I expected. I just think they need to kick tires. Catch off guard, didn't I? Yeah, you did catch me off guard. Well, why are they kicking tires if they're not going to do it? Just do it. Well, you have to kick tires because your your fans want you to kick tires. Well, then There's talent want, available. Then if they want that, then just go get them. Whew. Yeah, I don't know if you need that drama in your room. Fire but, corner. Fire corner over but here today. There would, he would have an opportunity <laughs> like... Unreal opportunity if you join that team. All right, yeah. uh, Black Monday in the National Football League, and a number of teams have cleaned house after a six and eleven season. The Bears have fired head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace. Vikings also firing their head coach and GM after missing the playoffs for the second straight year. Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman out in Minnesota, and perhaps most surprisingly in Miami, despite winning eight of the last nine games. The Dolphins have had, uh, fired head coach Brian Flores. The regular season comes to a close today, and like all season finales, there's the promise of extra drama, so get your popcorn ready. Pass is caught, Jennings, touchdown, 49ers. With the season on the line, big time throws. Intercepted by Embry Thomas. The 49ers have won. And they're in the playoffs. Hudley sacked T.J. Watt. NFL history. Lawrence pulled it down and throws to the end zone to Marvin Jones. Did he come down, feet in bounds? He did. Boy, what a depressing loss for Indianapolis here today. So the door is open for one of these two teams. Fourth and eight for what could be the final chapter for Ben Roethlisberger. Throws, catch, first down, and that is a winner for Pittsburgh. On the brink of an unlikely playoff spot. A wild and woolly season deserves a dramatic ending. Herbert fires, and into the end zone it is Palmer. And it's a seven-point game. If this game ends in a tie, Pittsburgh is no longer alive for the playoffs. Caught in the end zone by the big body, Mike Williams. This is just insane. And we are going to overtime. <laughs> Chargers take a timeout. What? Jacobs. Mm -hmm. Now they're going to be set up for a field goal attempt by Carlson. Snap good. Hold good. And Raiders in. Chargers out. The impossibility of all the stuff that happened today to have that go down to the last second kick to me is like mind-bending. 
18th verse, same as the first 17. The NFL is a lot of things, my friends, but man, does it deliver. This weekend was more unbelievable than two weeks to flatten the curve. Here to help us sort through the mess on this Monday afternoon is your 2002 NFL MVP, Rich Gannon. Welcome back to the show, Rich. What in the good name of Ali Haji Sheik is going on here, my friend? Tim, what a crazy finish. You know, you know the Colts losing earlier in the day really set off a, a series of events. You know, you look at Pittsburgh beating Baltimore and Baltimore losing six straight. After eight and three start, Baltimore loses six straight games. But you got to give the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tom a lot of credit. You know, they won three of the last four games. They earned their way into the postseason with a little help from the Raiders. And how about that game? The last game of the regular season, Tim, an overtime special between the Chargers and the Raiders. A tie would have gotten both teams into the postseason. At one point, it looked like that may happen, but Brandon Staley got in the way once again. You talk about coaching malpractice. What happened last night, for young coaches out there, pay attention, of what not to do. Brandon Staley, I thought, really hurt his team's chances of advancing to the postseason. Okay, so let's break that down. We spent an entire segment breaking down the way we saw it. Let me ask you the way you saw the timeout and what was about to happen because I thought that the Raiders were content with the tie before Brandon Staley called that timeout. Yeah, I think a lot of I don't know that anyone had any again of course you're going to have an excuse afterwards that we had the wrong personnel in the field. We wanted to make a change. I mean, uh, that's nonsense. And 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 Tim, there's been several examples uh in each game when you go back and study their 17 game yeah. season. And not only that, but what happened in the third quarter with 8 minutes to go on fourth and one uh coming out of your own end zone to go for. It. I mean, that, that's just there's there's absolutely in a three-point game i mean in a game that you know basically a, a playoff game if you win in your in scenario i mean you, you just how do you look your team in the locker room after that game that loss is on brandon staley as much as anyone and honestly it's a fireable offense if you're dean spanos the owner of the, of the, of the los angeles chargers you have to have a conversation with him these analytics this guy is a big analytics guy and i think there's certainly there's, there's merit for, for getting as much information statistically as you can garner. But at some point, you got to use good judgment. And Brandon Staley, I thought, just was out of his mind last night. And I just think that uh, just coaching malpractice, that, that's what that was last night in Las Vegas. Okay, so for you, and listen, analytics are just stats. And you're trying to use stats to back up ideas. But... If the idea is flawed, then the stat is flawed too. Like, if if you're saying that we can, can we can convert fourth and one this many times in a year, and then you continually do it, the surprise isn't there, right? Like people aren't caught off guard by you doing it as much, and it it almost nullifies the number that you had to start. Like this is the part of this, like the give and take of analytics. It's not law. It's a guiding light. Well, it is. I mean, there's so many factors. I mean, the, the way how poorly the right tackle Norton played. I mean, yeah. what Max Crosby did to him was was criminal. I mean, he just abused them on every single play. So, I mean, analytics 
doesn't take that into consideration. Our right tackle can't block, you know, one of the league's best pass rushers. Right. Uh, that affects what we do. That affects how we call the game. That affects our decision-making. Uh, you know, obviously the weather wasn't an issue last night, the footing, injury situations. There's so many things that, that, that happen in the course of a game where, you know, the analytics don't tell you what to do. But I can tell you this. There's not a coach in football at any level that would have decided to go for it in that situation. And there's – Tim, that's just one example. Yeah, we did There's it all year. on the game inside two minutes where they convert a first down on, on fourth down. And they've got all three timeouts up inside two minutes. They don't take the first timeout, and they burn about 25 seconds on the play clock. I mean, there's just too many examples of mismanagement, and and that's just something that that Brandon Staley has to get corrected. Do you think Spanos has the guts to do what you just said and fire Staley? No, no, and I, look, I think he's a good, bright, young coach. The problem is he, 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 he's, he's come in, and their defense is awful late in games. And he's a, he basically calls the plays. So he either has to hire a defensive coordinator or step away from, from those responsibilities. I, I just think he's spreading himself thin, and he's making some critical errors in, in, in games at the most inopportune times. And I just think that the, Justin Herbert is a fantastic player. And if you can hook your saddle to this guy for the next 10 years, you're going to win a lot of football games. But you're not helping him. You're not helping your offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, when you call a, you go for it on fourth and one uh, at the 18-yard line with, with almost nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And, and that's, that's, that's the issue right now with Brandon Staley. He's, he's, a, he's a good – he's a smart young coach that's, that's outthinking himself. Uh, you know, I, I talked to an NFL coach last week. I said – Who's going to win the Raiders-Chargers game? He said the Raiders. I said, why? He said the coach on the other team will out-coach himself. That's just what happened last yeah. night with Brandon. Uh, that is some foresight right there. All right, so what happened in Jacksonville? And, I mean, the Colts gave up a first-round pick for Carson Wentz, and he just not did not deliver. He didn't. And Jonathan Taylor had a very average mediocre, yeah. below-par day for him, and that's really who they are. And, you know, Jacksonville got off to a good start. Look, Jacksonville, for some reason, they play the Colts, always play the Colts well uh, at home. They've won the last six games. Uh, they keep the scoring down. They're averaging almost 30 points in, in those games. And Trevor Lawrence looked like the quarterback we thought he was when he was taken first overall out of Clemson. I mean, they got off to an early lead. They shut down the run. And they just, they just, they just took it away from the Colts. No one saw this one coming. I think Frank Reich was surprised at how poorly his team responded when they fell behind early. And that's that's unfortunate. Here's 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 the reality, Tim. They didn't deserve to make the playoffs. They lost their last two games to teams that they should beat, especially Jacksonville, who going come into that game had won just two games so far this season. All right, so we spent time on the Chargers throughout. We spent time on the Colts throughout. Can we give a little love to your former team, the Las Vegas Raiders? I mean, they overcame a ton of adversity to get to this spot. Tim, great point. Just the fourth team in NFL history to make a coaching change midseason and make the playoffs, just their second playoff appearance in 19 years. And you got to tip your hat to Derek Carr. I mean, this guy has put this team on his shoulders all season long. You know, they won six regular season games on the last play of the game. And I, I just think he's played some of his best football late in games when it matters the most. It's not always perfect. It's not always pretty. But he put his team in a position. And how about Daniel Carlson? 
I mean, five field goals last night. He's never missed a field goal in that stadium. He was clutch. And, of course, you and I talked earlier about Max Crosby. I, I thought the defensive line of the Raiders was fantastic. You know, late in the game, they were on the field for so many snaps, but they played hard, uh, led by Max Crosby. What a great win for the Raiders when you consider all the adversity that they had to deal with this season. Unbelievable what they went through this year. Uh, one more player that I want to talk about before I get your opinion on a little college football that's going to be played tonight. Um, is Tom Brady your MVP or is Tom Brady just the head-shaking dude that you don't know how the hell he's doing it at this age? You know, I think it's a really tough decision. And I'm one of the 50 AP voters, and I, I'm going to go back and look real hard. You know, you look at the season that he's had. I think it's between he and Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron right. Rodgers, seven touchdowns, just four interceptions. Uh, you know, they, he, he's he been phenomenal. But so is Brady. When you consider the injuries that they had defensively, you look at the injuries that they have, have had at the wide receiver position, the Antonio Brown situation. Uh, obviously not having Leonard Fournette, and yet the one constant has been the 44-year-old quarterback, Tom Brady. So I think it's between those two, Tim. Uh, I think it'll be a very, very close vote, Uh, and I'm anxious to see what I decide because, quite frankly, I have to have my vote in by tomorrow night, and I still haven't made it. That's going to be – let us know next week where you went on uh, that. Are you allowed to let us know? I don't even know. why not? I don't know if they allow and whatever. Either way, uh, we want to talk about this because this is going to be a really interesting vote. I, I think it's Aaron Rodgers, but that's just one man's opinion. I know we're a little early on our favorite matchup in Wild Card Weekend, but I love being early to the sports party because it shows off the show's collective knowledge. Is there is there one game that has Rich Gannon thinking we might get something real interesting in this one? You know, I like the Bills and the Patriots. I mean, these two teams played earlier, I mean, twice this season. Uh, they split games. Uh, both teams were able to win on the road. Uh, I just, I like how Buffalo's playing right now, and I like Josh Allen. I, I think, you know, I, you look at Josh Allen, Tim, you and I have talked a lot about him this year, over 4,400 yeah. passing yards, 37 touchdowns, uh, over 780 yards rushing. He's got six rushing touchdowns. This guy does it all. And I think when you look at the head-to-head matchup between the two quarterbacks, Mac Jones has taken a turn for the worse, whereas – you know, Josh Allen has played at such a high level, at such a consistent level all season for the for the Bills. And it's what he can do outside the pocket. It's how he can extend plays that I think will be the difference in this one. I thought I was going to get the Niners plus five on the road in <laughs> Dallas and maybe sprinkle on the money line there. But it opened at three. It seems like Vegas thinks this is a pickup game. And it's real interesting to me because – I thought the NFC was garbage the entire year, but then the Eagles took it up another notch for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at some teams that have, you know, have been different in the second half of the season. I want to see teams that go into the postseason with some confidence and momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the Cowboys a moment ago. They had lost three or four in, in November, including an ugly loss to the Raiders at home on Thanksgiving. And yet you look what they've done the last couple of weeks, but 56 points on Washington, 51 on Dallas. This is a team that's really playing some good football right now. And Dak Prescott, Tim, his last three starts, 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. I like the Cowboys. All right, Bama or Georgia, Mr. Gannon? Nick Saban and big games, there's nobody better. I like Alabama. Is there is can I ask is Bama good for football? Like forget college football. Just is Bama's dominance good for football? 
I suppose, but you know, it's 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 like and, and look, love him or hate Nick Saban. I mean, he knows how to get a team ready, even when they lose a game earlier in the season. But you know, I I, I like it when there's 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 more teams in the mix. Me and too. right now, it just seems like you've got you've got Georgia, you've got Alabama, you've got some of these teams in the in the uh, you know in the uh, in that in that conference, the SEC, and then of course you got Ohio State. I like to see I like to see more teams in the mix right now. It seems like there's four or five really dominant teams year in and year out. Uh, we'll save our conversation about the Delaware Blue Hens for another day, my friend. <laughs> uh, always great catching up with you. Thanks for the insight. Uh, our Monday afternoon quarterback has concluded. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Tim. There is uh, Rich Gannon, our MVP here on Tim and Our Friends. MVP, I like that. Yeah, uh, pretty strong on the Brandon Staley. Just a little bit. But then he backtracked a little and said, no, he's not actually going to get fired. doesn't think he should get fired. But he, he did start out by saying that. Said they're fireable offenses. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Because, like, first game of the year, I believe it was four um, downs where he let Justin Herbert throw with the lead. Yeah. And I'm thinking, man, he, he must have a lot of trust in her. And it was just, it was Herbert and it was the team and it was also his willingness, like the ultimate gunslinger. Like he has no, if he thinks that it, they could get it, he goes. It's crazy. The interesting thing with that, though, is that he's a new coach. So when he's hired, that's going to be his pitch. Oh, without a doubt. Right? So he's not going to get fired for doing analytics things when he's an analytics-based coach. That's what you hired him to do. Now, the fourth and one from his own 18 was probably a little bit egregious. But he's been doing stuff similar to that all season all long. All year. So all that's who year. he is. Yeah, that's exactly Too hired. Is. All right, time for a break. We're less than a week away from the Aussie Open. Been some updates in the Novak Djokovic situation. We'll update you, plus discuss Canada's unbelievable ATP Cup win. Tim and Friends rolls on. Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. My name is Timothy McAuliffe. You are my friends. So is Jesse Rubinoff standing by with some feedback throughout the show. Love when we get it at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. Love it. Um, yes, talking about, for the most part, the Chargers and Raiders and what they put on. Uh, just a magical football game last night. So, uh, Mihail says, uh, Ben Roethlisberger watching that field goal last night. <laughs> and uh, I do have to say... Uh, that's what's sort of gotten lost in this whole story, at least for us today, is that the Steelers partying it up in the locker room after their win yesterday, thinking like, oh, what are the chances of a tie, right? And then it comes down to that. Well, I, 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 do think, I do think a lot of people overreacted to the Steelers partying. In their, they took care of the business that was at hand, yeah. and that celebration was them taking care of that business. They can't control the rest. We should all learn from that. I think they thought they were in. But what they did was take care of what was in front of them. Yeah. And for all of us, like, that's worry about the things that you can control and then the rest falls where it may. Just and for the Steelers, I'm okay with that celebration in the locker room. They took care of their business and it didn't look good for a while. Just another feather in Mike Tomlin's cap. And that was a great football game too. Great ending in that one as well. Uh, Steelers and Ravens. Justin says, Charger fans thinking playoffs until the terrible Timeout call. If you want to go to the computer, there it is. And boom. Yes. <laughs> Just like that. That's how it faded away. Uh, Ayan says, an elite Pro Bowl quarterback and no postseason success to show for it. Dan Fouts, uh, Philip Rivers, 
uh, HM to Drew Brees, that is the Charger way. Um, we talked about that earlier. It just seems like they're always the, the 4 o'clock games on Sunday, or historically they're a lot of the 4 o'clock games. Why leave Ryan Leaf out of that quick? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Yeah, this is maybe his favorite player. Uh, the Red says, it was maybe one of the most exciting sporting events in regular season history. I don't remember a time when three teams were affected by the last game, plus the game itself was wild, uh, better was, than a movie. What was that? Uh, Mark Sheldon, producer of the show, there was a final uh, day of the uh, Premier League that was absolutely insane. Uh, I'm script man city wins. Yeah. How many years ago was that? Like three years ago? Many years ago. Many years ago. There was a baseball final day of the regular season. Sergio Aguero scoring the goal. Maybe it's because I just read the Sergio Aguero stuff and him retiring. No, but I think had that actually ended in a tie, like it would have been a movie. Probably. It would have been a movie. Because it was like the most unthinkable thing. He would have worked in the Jags. What yeah. happened with them and the Steelers I love, angle? I love the rest of the world that's not invested, just cheering for the Neils. Yeah. Like when at start of overtime, Passin tweets out, Neil, you cowards. I thought, I, don't, this, so I think it was good. like retweeted like 20,000 times in the moment, yeah. like in the blink of an eye. Everyone wanted to see whether or not they would do that. It's so funny because it's, it's such a win-at-all-cost sport, right? Like, that's, that's what you think of football. Like, there's ties are few and far between. It's yeah. hardcore, win-at-all-costs. And then the whole world last night is cheering for a yeah. tie. Just such an irregular thing last night. Sergio Aguero, Man City, 2012. There you Time go, you flies when you're having fun. 20, it's 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. God. Uh, well, a couple more Three here. Three years ago. Uh, ago. Rob says, uh, I'm closing in on the big 60. I've seen it all NFL-wise. Chargers-Raiders game might have broke into my top five all-time games. It had the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Without a doubt. With, uh, with a decision in the middle. Yes, with the decision in the middle. And Gus said, best NFL game since, once again, Chargers against the Dolphins playoff game Eric in Correale. 1982. Miami wins 41-38 in overtime. Yeah, I mean, it's up there. Like, I was thinking about the best football games I've ever seen. Like, I remember the USC-Texas Rose Bowl game was up Vince there. Young. Vince Young. I know the um, highlights of that were floating around on social media this weekend. But, I mean, I'm hard-pressed off the top of my head to come up with games that that I've had that sort of visceral reaction to. Right, right. And in 2012 with the soccer, they all, this is when they started playing games at the same time. Yeah. So you could actually see the back and forth taking place on different grounds. That's ridiculous. Which added a different level than this one. But this for one game, I don't know how you could, like one game playing it, We've seen it before in World Cup qualifying where you go back and forth or in an actual World Cup yeah. group play where you're going back and forth and you can see the swings and momentum because they play them at the same time. And you know why they play them at the same time? To avoid exactly the decision that we saw happen there where 100%. people will just play uh, the Simpsons, Portugal, and Scotland, yeah. I believe, was the <laughs> matchup uh, on the Simpsons. That's all I got uh... All right, so uh, there's a lot swirling in the sports world that we missed because of an unbelievable game and an unbelievable mm-hmm. night in the uh, in the NBA. Novak Djokovic, what's the latest on whether or not the nine-time Aussie Open winner yeah. is going to play in the tournament? So Djokovic is back uh, training for the Australian Open after winning his appeal to have his visa reinstated. A judge ruling Djokovic didn't have enough time to talk to his lawyers after the initial decision to pull his visa and ordered the government to release him from the quarantine hotel he stayed at the last four nights. However, government officials are still threatening to cancel his visa and deport him. 
What's your lean, Timmy? Uh, will he get to play in the Aussie Open? I'm almost, I'm almost curious to see him play and what reaction he'll get in Australia. Mm -hmm. like I had a lot of people reach out to me after our interview with John Wertheim to say that they think that Australians are cheering for Joker. Uh, and if he gets a chance to play, we'll see whether or not Australians are cheering for him. Like some folks express their opinion to me in a kind, very concerned manner, and I don't mind the conversation. Some folks were absolute bleep holes about it, and I get that sometimes you have to be that way to get some people's attention. I'm not that person. Like the dying art of disagreement is a terrible experiment yeah. right now. Like we can disagree with someone and still give them their space totally. to say their piece, express their thoughts without compromising our own opinion. And I think like more people need to understand that and just have the conversation. So too many take too many things as a slap in the face, which really sucks for a show like this where Jesse and you ask my opinion all the time. <laughs> I think it's going to be really interesting if he plays what the reaction will be to what could be tennis history. Totally. Are people pissed at him? Or are they just happy to see him play tennis? I think I, that's an interesting thing. I, I thought what's really interesting to me about this story is that it, it was a humongous story when the government was involved originally. And they put him up in this quarantine hotel and he was detained. Yep. And then this story with the judge sort of allowing him to stay in the country, not as big of a story. Not nearly as much well, but it didn't as have the drama of the terminal. No, it didn't have the drama of the terminal. <laughs> of but it's just interesting that like... I've been detained. Because in reality, like, it's a, it's a flip now. Like, now it's looking, I don't know if it's likely that he's going to play, but he's allowed at least to stay in the country. Yeah, more likely. So it's a significant him. change. And you would think that all the people that were so upset that with him being detained or, or being in the country in the first place would react just as they did the original time to what the judge Part of that is decided. due process, too, right? Yeah. Like, that they're satisfied that some sort of due process and all of this nonsense was gone through. All right. Uh, time, by the way, Canada winning the ATP. Let's go. Cup. Canada on the up and up. That's unbelievable what they were able to pull off. And you wonder if that will translate for especially Shapovalov and Oje Aliassim getting the wins that they got. Mm -hmm. Like, will raising a trophy give them the confidence to do something at that kind of level and maybe see. For the first time ever, a Canadian man win a Grand Slam. No better time than now. Uh, we are just 25 days away from the start of the Beijing Winter Olympic Games. The difficult circumstances Ow. for the athletes heading into the Games with a chance to make some special memories and give us a distraction. Canada's chef de mission, Trina LeMay Doan, will join us next and we will discuss as Tim and Friends rumbles on. We dream of this. Live our whole life for this. Give everything that we've got for this. Fight through pain. Fight through loss. Push through setbacks. Pull off comebacks. Dig deeper. Soar higher. The night spent awake the hours they take. Our strength comes from within. And we're here to do more than just win. We come from anywhere. And 
we can overcome anything. The Canadian Olympic Committee launched their 2022 Winter Games campaign today, Glory From Anywhere. The campaign highlights how athletes can transform Canada as they have done in years past by demonstrating how to pursue a goal with bravery, integrity and determination, which is what we all hope to learn from sports. Find out more at gloryfromanywhere.ca and we'll find out more with Canada's Chef de Mission for the upcoming games and, oh yeah, by the way, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Katrina LeMay-Dome, welcome back to the show. Katrina, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I have uh, goosebumps from watching that video again for the 20th time today. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, does seeing that like still get your competitive spirits like just fired up? It gets my spirits fired up. I don't know about my competitive spirits. Uh, you know, hard to believe that at the start of Beijing, it will be 20 years since Salt Lake City, since my last Olympic race. But, um, you know, I, I just love it. It's powerful. It's powerful in English. It's powerful in French. The images, the the narrative, and... Uh, that's inspiring. I, I I love it. I'm so proud of it. I still haven't given up on my terrible athletic past. And I'm, I'm glad to see <laughs> that you, with the gold medals in your back pocket, uh, have moved on. Uh, obviously, this is a different Olympic Games, given all it's swirling around us these days. Like, is it nerves for you? Are you excited? Like, what's the, uh, what's the feeling as we, we inch closer? Well, you know, like everything in our world, it, it changes every single day. Uh, end of November, I was in my hometown of Saskatoon watching the curling trials, helping announce the team. Then out at the Alpine Men's and Women's World Cup, speed skating World Cup. And, you know, I had on my day timer, I'm a, I'm a pen and paper person, I'm that old, um, <laughs> you know, where I was going to be going for each team announcement. And then, then this variant hit and, you know, everything changed. So, um I'm excited. I'm excited for the games. Uh, you know, we've been counting down for a long time. Uh, it's always the most stressful the month before the games. Uh, this new variant and COVID has added, you know, just added more. So just one more obstacle of in everybody's path. And we've been, you know, everybody's been dealing with obstacles for the last two years, but yeah. uh yeah, just just want to get to Beijing and get in the village and uh, get things going. It's it's funny because before every Olympics, no matter when they were, before the pandemic, during the pandemic, there always seems to be issues. People talk about the issues going into the Olympics. But how much different does this one feel, like, given everything that goes into it? Well, it feels different. But, you know, we've had two years to understand that it's different. Yeah. And... Learning from Marty McBean, who was the chef for Tokyo, I mean, they had to deal with a year delay. Um, we've learned from the athletes and the mission team. 50% of the mission team in Beijing was in Tokyo. So everybody's been learning from each other. The collaboration between, um, you know, all of the teams from summer to winter. Uh, even talking to our chief medical officer, the collaboration between all of the Olympic committees and Beijing and the IOC has been excellent. And so, you know, we have an expert team that's advising our team. Team. But let's not forget, once we get there, these are the Olympic Games. You know, that doesn't change. And often as athletes, we make it different. You know, I used to always, I, I got way more stressed for an Olympics and, and they're bigger. But you, you put it as a different thing. And yet it was the same 400 meter oval. It was the same 500 meter race. And so they're the Olympics. And 
once we get there, you know, that's sort of check number one. That's a celebration. Let's get there safely. And then let's compete because that's why we're there. And that's what the athletes are ready to do. I know that walking into the opening ceremonies for many of the athletes is the culmination of years of work. Are they going to be able to do that this time around? Yeah, again, it's going to depend on their three villages in Beijing. So it will depend on logistics. Um, you know, every year it's about timing. And so, uh, you know, there's sometimes been some controversy. Oh, people don't want to go to the opening ceremony. Right. If every athlete could go to an opening ceremony and feel the power of an opening and, you know, the witnessing of the of the flame coming in, every athlete would want that. But their focus is the competition. Their focus is to have their best performance at the Olympics. So it's all whether it makes sense for them within the schedule. And so there's so many details that go into that. I was fortunate as an athlete at four games to walk into every single opening ceremony. And so, you know, the schedule allowed that. And so I, I love them. They're powerful. I, I just, I believe in the games. I believe in the core message of, of what sport and what the games do and bringing the world together. And so, you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm living a dream right now of, you know, pandemic or no pandemic. My dream was to be Chef Demision and these are my 11th games. And, you know, I'm very proud to lead this team of, of incredible athletes and mission team and, and people that have overcome a lot. You know, we're in, we're in a tough world and the athletes are no different. They live in this, they live in this same world and uh, they've had to overcome a lot. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, and I have a lot of uh, compassion for the athletes, especially uh, of, of lesser known sports, the ones who uh, work for four years to get this opportunity. And I know NHL players were worried about uh, testing positive at the games after it was rumored that positive tests may force uh, athletes to quarantine in China. At least there were rumors about this uh, for anything from three to five weeks. Is there any more clarity on what happens if an athlete tests positive in China? Because I would hate to have someone who doesn't get the same sort of attention when they tweet like an NHL player uh, but still has to go through a quarantine like that? Well, I mean, there'll be daily testing. Everybody knows that. Our chief medical officer, again, has been working daily with all the teams, with all the athletes, uh, and, and will be working closely the, with the entire team over in Beijing. Uh, you know, that's if there are positive tests, there will be uh, testing, there will be isolation, but it, it's not, I don't believe, to the extent that people, that rumors were going around. So, you know... I think everybody on the NHL side, they were disappointed because, you know, fans and, and team and everybody, you know, you're talking some some superstar names that to see them play together would have been incredible. But we're still going to have an incredible team there that will represent the Maple Leaf and they will be one of, you know, one team of all of the Canadian team. And so, you know, we, we saw that in Pyeongchang as well. And um, now I look forward to to seeing those players um you know maybe it's new names for for canadians that, that get to know these players just like a lot of these as you said some of these unknown sports that's what the great part about social media is they're able to tell their story a bit more yeah. but the games are the opportunity for these athletes and i keep reminding them this is their story and so tell your story this is part of that journey and everybody has a different story you know they have a different beginning regardless of of where we grew up in this country tiny little village big city uh most of us started from grassroots sport 
And then when we're old like me, you go back to grassroots sport. But <laughs> it, uh, you know, it, it's all about telling the story and connecting with Canadians and, and allowing Canadians to sort of really relate to, to the journey because everybody's on their own journey. I still I still have the ability. I'm not jaded enough in this business to to not romanticize what sport can do for people uh, from all different backgrounds, all different walks, and coming together. I still believe in what the IOC purports itself to be. The one thing that I I have a, an interesting eye for is there's been a lot of talk around politics for these games, and I know for many athletes, as I said. Um, they've been working on their craft in their entire life and preparing for this moment for four years. It's not fair to drag them in. Not my intention with this question. But the ones who want to speak out, who want to use that platform that you're talking about, what do you as the chef de Michon say to those athletes? You know, Canada has a very strong athletes commission and the Canadian Athletes Commission work closely with the International Olympic Committee's Athlete Commission. The athletes have a voice. And so, I mean, first of all, athletes choose whether they want to be a part of this team. And when you go to these games, regardless, when you go to any games, regardless of where they are, there are certain boundaries and guidelines that you need to adhere to. And there are guidelines that when you're on the field of play, there is no political talk, but the athletes have an opportunity to speak. And so, you know, there are those opportunities on media, social media, in different places. And and those, those are not just sort of just told to an athlete they understand what they are they've been they've been explained we've talked about it and so athletes uh, you know have been informed in this they understand it and uh we're all passionate about what the olympics represent we're all passionate about the canadian values and we you know we want to go there and talk about our canadian values we're fortunate to wear the maple leaf and you know, I'm a first-generation Canadian, and my parents came to this country, and and we chose to stay. And so, you know, I love the fact that that we are an inclusive country, we are a diverse country, we're a diverse team, and so we're going over there to celebrate what our country allows us to do. So, as we count down, before I let you go, what are you most excited for? Like, I, I'm sure there's a bundle of nerves in all different spots. What are you What are you most excited for? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's like asking me which of my two kids is my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, just the start of the games, like it's, I, I'm always nervous to get there and get settled in. And I usually we've had, um, we usually we've gone there beforehand. So again, because of COVID, we haven't been in the village. We haven't been there. Um, once we're settled, the start of the games, I mean, I find those so powerful, just incredible because it's it's the heritage it's what the games are about it's that core value it's it's what the flame represents and i'm excited to see the athletes i'm excited to watch them compete because you know there are four years between games and most of these athletes it's been 24 years that they've been working towards this and so you know we talk about glory in the new campaign uh for them to achieve their glory you know they have their goals they want to be the best in the world what their glory is on that very day, we'll wait and see because that's sport. We don't know what's going to happen and that's why we watch it. It's exciting and there'll be surprises and there'll be expectations and there'll be all of the, the good and the bad together. So uh, I'm excited about it all. Uh, it's it's always tough getting ready to leave and, and tough. I think tougher as my kids get older, it's, it's harder for them and harder for me, but uh, I, I'm I'm so excited and so proud of this team and to be in this role. 
So which one is your favorite again? No, okay. <laughs> it's been a running theme the entire show. Michael Gray said the exact same thing. He's got two kids. I got two kids. You got two kids. Uh, you're going to have more than two kids because you'll have an entire team of Canadian Olympic members in Beijing. We wish you the best as always, Katrina. Thanks very much. Appreciate right. it. There is uh, Katrina LeMay Doan, our chef de mission or chef de mission. Mission. She said mission. Yeah. Uh, which of your two kids is your favorite? You know. Time for a break. <laughs> we'll get to last call before the Bruins and the Caps next right here on Tim and Friends. It's like when Sid used to ask uh, Darren Millard what his favorite hand was. Right. Actually, it's kind of different. It's a little different. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to a friend of the show, Danny Dicchio, who's moving on from Toronto FC after 15 years with the club in different capacities. He scored the first goal in TFC history in 2007. The seat warmers came flying. He's been a coach of the academy team in recent years, as well as a club ambassador. Danny, good luck with whatever is next. And that, my friends, is our Monday tip of the cap as we move to last call. And Jesse Rubinoff. 2007 is when he scored that goal. It's crazy, eh? Oh, 2022. What's up? This is when Sid would sing the song, but I'm not going to do it. No, don't do it. Uh, okay. Um, an awesome moment in Portugal uh, this weekend. Uh, as Porto manager Sergio Conceição subbed in his son, Francisco, with the game tied at two. Three minutes later, in the 89th minute, he scored the winner, setting off... <laughs> Awesome scenes as father and son embraced on the sidelines. Do you, Timmy, have a best sports memory with a family member? Oh, that's a wonderful question. This is such a... <laughs> I love how he's slapping his son. He's giving him the old one-two there. Giving him a little two-piece. I, I don't... I can't even... My, my brother, my closest brother to me was four years older. So all the memories they have of me playing sports with my three older brothers mm -hmm. was them whooping my ass. Like it wasn't even close, nothing was, I didn't play on any of their teams, it was too far away and whenever I tried to play with them, it ended badly. <laughs> so my memories are me learning how to take a punch. That's all bad memories. Oh, that was not the direction the answer was <laughs> no, supposed to go. You wanted the heartwarming McCallum yeah. family smiling and not, we don't really have it. It was a lot of, and you can ask, there's a lot of people in that are watching this show right now that grew up in and around our family. Mm -hmm. Like, our games, you've seen me. Yes. You understand how intense I can get. Yeah. I don't think I was the most intense in my family. Really? I might have been third out of four in intensity. So I can I can understand now. <laughs> yeah. I can understand in my brain you got that one too? why you have that memory, those memories then. Yeah, we, we would just go toe to toe. So I can imagine it's steel. hard with, with four of you. Like, it's different. I only have a brother, right? So it's but I feel like mono if you, and mono. But you're, yeah, you're, are you guys close in age? Four years. Four, so you're four years. Yeah. And he's younger. Yeah. So you had to kind of take it easy on him a little bit? No. No. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the right answer. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Spencer um, can reach out whenever he wants. Yeah, reach out. Um, <laughs> Major League Baseball obviously enduring a long, dark winter in a lockup, but we got some news on the weekend as the Yankees hired Rachel Balkovec as the manager of the A-ball Tampa Tarpons. She's the first woman manager in minor league baseball. Amazing. The Jays, in the meantime, hired Jamie Vieira 
as a minor league hitting coach today, the first female coach in the system. About time, Timmy. About time. Is that it? That's all you got for me is about time? Yes, it's about time. But the Rachel story is unbelievable. And I don't know if it's uh, Balkovac or Balkovac, but I think we need to spend a little bit more time on her story. And it feels like she had to do double the amount of work to get to the same spot as a male counterpart would. And I think there's a lot of people going, oh, well, you know, this is just equality working out and someone getting an opportunity. If I think we should do the story on how many steps Love it took it. her to get to where she is. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive, I'll tell you that much. No question. Um, looking forward to that and also looking forward to tonight. It's Alabama, it's Georgia in the national championship game down south. Georgia three-point favorites despite their only loss being to Alabama in the SEC championship game in December, Timmy, <laughs> Alabama's in the game every year. Does Nick Saban get his eighth national championship or do Georgia get their first since 1980? I mean, like, it feels... It feels like this is set up for Bama to win again, does it not? Like, I mean, they beat him. I know, maybe different circumstances. Yeah. When they met the first time, uh, and what was 41-24 was the final score, like... It just, it feels like this is setting, whenever Nick Saban has, to, he's Bill Belichick, right? Like whenever you give him time to prepare for, to prepare for a team, Bama comes out on top. Yeah. Uh, Vegas would suggest otherwise, but I, like, I don't know what the numbers are. I would suggest to you though, that the vast majority of money that's coming in is coming in on Bama. Uh, I'm riding with Mattress Mac tonight and Mattress Mac has put $6.1 million on Alabama to win on the money line. But is this, is this, is Mattress Mac giving out something? Like, this is always just a hedge. Like, this guy gets the most, I don't know if we have time to explain this, but. Publicity? He gets the most publicity for hedging his bet. I know, I'm not betting Alabama because of Mattress Mac. That was a bit of an overstatement, but right. just thought I'd point out that he has 6.1 million. He's <laughs> got a lot of money. Every sporting event. I don't believe in the, these huge numbers out there because most people can't even yeah, comprehend numb to them. Doing yeah, that. Agreed. Uh, I'm cheering for Georgia, though. That does it for us. Bruins and Caps about to get going here on Sportsnet. WWE Monday Night Raw coming up later on Sportsnet 360. Plenty of basketball on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet now. The only reason I'm cheering for Georgia is because I like to see different teams I was going to clarify. Going like against me. Different teams win. We ride together on one bed and then you just go against me the next night. Yeah. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching, everybody.